And I thank God he gave unto me some measure of bowels and pity for their souls, which also did put me forward to labor with great diligence and earnestness to find out such a word as might, if God would bless it, lay hold of and awaken the conscience, in which also the good Lord had respect to the desire of his servant. For I had not preached long before some began to be touched, and be greatly afflicted in their minds at the apprehension of the greatness of their sin, and of their need of Jesus Christ. I first could not believe that God should speak by me to the heart of any man, still counting myself unworthy. Yet those who were thus touched would love me and have a particular respect for me. And though I did put it from me that they should be awakened by me, still they would confess it and affirm it before the saints of God. They would also bless God for me, unworthy wretch that I am, and count me God's instrument that showed to them the way of salvation. Wherefore, seeing them in both their words and deeds to be so constant, and also in their hearts so earnestly pressing after the knowledge of Jesus Christ, rejoicing that ever God did send me where they were, then I began to conclude it might be so that God had owned in his work such a foolish one as I. And then came that word of God to my heart with much refreshment. The blessing of them that are ready to perish is come upon me. Yea, I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. Job 29, verse 13. At this, therefore, I rejoiced. Yea, the tears of those whom God did awaken by my preaching would be both solace and encouragement to me. I thought on these sayings. Who is he that maketh me glad? But the same that is made sorry by me. And again, Though I be not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am unto you, for the seal of my apostleship are yea in the Lord. 2 Corinthians 2, 2, 1 Corinthians 9, 2. These things therefore were as another argument unto me that God had called me to and stood by me in this work. In my preaching of the word, I took special notice of this one thing, namely, that the Lord did lead me to begin where his word begins, with sinners. That is, to condemn all flesh, and to open and allege that the curse of God by the law doth belong to, and lay hold on all men as they come into the world because of sin. Now this part of my work I fulfilled with great earnestness, for the terrors of the law and guilt for my transgressions lay heavy on my conscience. I preached what I felt, 
what I smartingly did feel, even that under which my poor soul did groan and tremble to astonishment. Indeed, I have been as one sent to them from the dead. I myself in chains to preach to them in chains and carried that fire in my own conscience that I persuaded them to be aware of. I can truly say, and that without dissembling, that when I have been to preach, I have gone full of guilt and terror, even to the pulpit door, and there it hath been taken off. And I have been at liberty in my mind until I have done my work. And then immediately, even before I could get down to the pulpit stairs, I have been as bad as I was before. Yet God carried me on, but surely with a strong hand, for neither guilt nor hell could take me off my work. Thus I went on for the space of two years, crying out against men's sins and their fearful state because of them, after which the Lord came in upon my soul with some sure peace and comfort through Christ. For he did give me many sweet discoveries of his blessed grace through him. Wherefore now I altered in my preaching. For I still preached what I saw and felt. Now therefore I did much labor to hold forth Jesus Christ in all his offices, relations and benefits unto the world, and did strive also to discover, to condemn, and remove those false supports and props on which the world doth both lean, and by them fall and perish. On these things also I stayed as long as on the other. After this God led me into something of the mystery of the union of Christ, wherefore that I discovered and showed to them also. And when I had traveled through these three chief points of the word of God, about the space of five years or more, I was caught in my present practice and cast into prison, where I have lain above as long again to confirm the truth by way of suffering as I was before in testifying of it according to the scriptures in the way of preaching. When I have been preaching, I thank God my heart hath often, all the time of this and the other exercises, with great earnestness cried to God that he would make the word effectual to the salvation of souls, still being grieved lest the enemy should take the word away from the conscience and so it should become unfruitful. Wherefore I labored so to speak the word as that thereby, if it were possible, the sin and person guilty might be particularized by it. Also, when I have done the exercise, it hath gone to my heart to think the word should now fall as rain on stony places, still wishing from my heart Oh, that they who have heard me speak this day did but see, as I do, what sin, death, hell, and the curse of God are, and also what the grace and love and mercy of God are, through Christ, to men in such a case as they are, 
who are yet estranged from him. And indeed, I did often say in my heart before the Lord that if to be hanged up presently before their eyes would be a means to awaken them and confirm them in the truth, I gladly should consent to it. For I have been in my preaching, especially when I have been engaged in the doctrine of life by Christ without works, as if an angel of God had stood by at my back to encourage me. Oh, it hath been with such power and heavenly evidence upon my soul while I have been laboring to unfold it, to demonstrate it, and to fasten it upon the conscience of others, that I could not be content with saying, I believe and am sure. Methought I was more than sure, if it be lawful so to express myself, that those things which then I asserted were true. When I first went to preach the word abroad, the doctors and priests of the country did open wide against me, but I was persuaded of this, not to render railing for railing, but to see how many of these carnal professors I could convince of their miserable state by the law, and of the want and worth of Christ. For though I, this shall answer for me in time to come, when they shall be for my hire before their face. Genesis 30, verse 33. I never cared to meddle with things that were controverted and in dispute among the saints, especially things of the lowest nature. Yet it pleased me much to contend with great earnestness for the word of faith and the remission of sins by the death and sufferings of Jesus. But I say... As to other things, I would let them alone, because I saw they engendered strife, and because that they neither in doing nor in leaving undone did commend us to God to be his. Besides, I saw my work before me did run into another channel, even to carry an awakening word. To that, therefore, I did stick and adhere. I never endeavored nor durst make any use of other men's lines. Romans 15:18. Though I can I condemn not all they do, for I fairly thought and found by experience that what was taught me by the word and spirit of Christ could be spoken, maintained and stood to by the soundest and best established conscience. And though I will not now speak all that I know in this matter, yet my experience hath more interest in that text of Scripture, Galatians 1, verses 11 and 12, than many among men are aware. If any of those who were awakened by my ministry did, after that, fall back, as sometimes too many did, I can truly say their loss hath been more to me than if my own children, begotten of mine own body, had been going to their grave. I think verily I may speak it without offense to the Lord. Nothing has gone so near me as that, unless it was the fear of the loss of the salvation of my own soul. 
I have counted as if I had goodly buildings and lordships in those places where my children were born. My heart hath been so wrapped up in the glory of this excellent work that I counted myself more blessed and honored of God by this than if he had made me the emperor of the Christian world or the Lord of all the glory of the earth without it. Oh, these words, He that converteth a sinner from the error of his ways doth save a soul from death. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. They that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even yea in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. These, I say, with many others of a like nature, have been great refreshments to me. James 5.20 Proverbs 11.30 Daniel 12.3 1 Thessalonians 2.19 and 20 I have observed that where I have had a work to do for God, I have had first, as it were, the going of God upon my spirit to desire I might preach there. I have also observed that such and such souls in particular have been strongly set upon my heart, and I stirred up to wish for their salvation, that those very souls have after this given us the fruits of my ministry. I have observed that a word cast in by the by hath done more execution in a sermon and all that was spoken besides. Sometimes also, when I have thought I did no good, then I did most of all. And at other times, when I thought I should catch them, I have fished for nothing. I have also observed that where there has been a work to do upon sinners, there the devil hath begun to roar in their hearts and by the mouths of his servants. Yea, oftentimes when the wicked world hath raged most, there have been souls awakened by the word. I could instance particulars, but I forbear. My great desire in my fulfilling my ministry was to get into the darkest places of the country even among those people that were farthest off of profession. Yet not because I could not endure the light, for I feared not to show my gospel to any, but because I found my spirit did lean most after awakening and converting work. And the word that I carried did lean itself most that way also. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. Romans 15.20 In my preaching I have really been in pain, 
and have, as it were, travailed to bring forth children to God. Neither could I be satisfied unless some fruits did appear in my work. If I were fruitless, it mattered not who commended me, but if I were fruitful, I cared not who did condemn. I have thought of that. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As errors are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Psalms 127, 3-5 it pleased me nothing to see people drink in my opinions. If they seemed ignorant of Jesus Christ and their worth of their own salvation. Sound conviction for sin, especially for unbelief. And a heart set on fire to be saved by Christ. With strong breathings after a truly sanctified soul. This it was that delighted me. Those were the souls I counted blessed. But in this work, as in all others, I had my temptations attending me, and that of divers kinds, as sometimes I would be assaulted with great discouragement therein, fearing that I should not be able to speak a word at all to edification, nay, that I should not be able to speak sense to the people, at which times I would have such a strange faintness and strengthlessness seize upon my body. My legs have scarce been able to carry me to the place of exercise. Sometimes, again, when I have been preaching, I have been violently assaulted with thoughts of blasphemy and strongly tempted to speak the words with my mouth before the congregation. I have also at times, even when I have begun to speak the word with much clearness, evidence, and liberty of speech, yet been, before the ending of that opportunity, so blinded and so estranged from the things I have been speaking, and have been also so straitened in my speech as to utterance before the people, that I have been as if I had not known or remembered what I had been about or as if my head had been in a bag all the time of my exercise. Again, when as sometimes I have been about to preach upon some smart and searching portion of the word, I have found the tempter suggest, What? Will you preach this? This condemns yourself. Of this your own soul is guilty. Wherefore, preach not this at all. Or if you do, yet so mince it as to make way for your own escape, least instead of awakening others, you lay that guilt upon your own soul that you will never get from under. But I thank the Lord I have been kept from consenting to these so horrid suggestions and have rather as Samson bowed myself with all my might to condemn sin and transgressions wherever I found it, yea, 
though therein also I did bring guilt upon mine own conscience. Let me die, thought I, with the Philistines, Judges 16.30, rather than deal corruptly with the blessed word of God. Thou that teachest another, teachest thou not thyself? It is far better than to judge thyself, even by preaching plainly unto others, than that thou, to save thyself, imprison the truth in unrighteousness. Blessed be God for his help also in this. I have found also, while found in the blessed work of Christ, been often tempted to pride and lifting up of heart. And though I dare not say I have been affected with this, yet truly the Lord of his precious mercy has so dealt with me that for the most part I have had but small desire to give way to such a thing. For it hath been my every day's portion to be let into the evil of mine own heart and still made to see such a multitude of corruptions and infirmities therein that it hath caused hanging down of the head under all my gifts and attainments. I have felt this thorn in the flesh, the very mercy of God to me. 2 Corinthians 12.8 I have also had together with this some notable place or other of the word presented before me, which word hath contained in it some sharp and piercing sentence concerning the perishing of the soul, notwithstanding gifts and parts. As for instance, these words have been of great use to me. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. A tinkling cymbal is an instrument of music with which a skillful player can make such melodious and heart-inflaming music that all who hear him play can scarcely hold from dancing. And yet, behold, the symbol hath not life, neither comes the music from it, but because of the art of him that plays therewith. So then the instrument at last may come to naught and perish, though in times past such music hath been made upon it. Just thus I saw it was and will be with them that have gifts but want saving grace. They are in the hand of Christ as the symbol in the hand of David. And as David could with the symbol make such mirth in the service of God as to elevate the hearts of the worshippers, so Christ can use these gifted men as with them to affect the souls of his people in the church. Yet, when he has done all, lay them by as lifeless through sounding symbols. This consideration, therefore, together with some others, 
were for the most part as a mall on the head of pride and desire of fame glory. What, thought I, shall I be proud because I am as a sounding brass? It is so much to be a fiddle, hath not the least creature that hath life more of God in it than these. Besides, I knew it was love that should never die, but these must cease and vanish. So I concluded a little grace, a little love, a little of the true fear of God is better than all the gifts. Yea, and I am fully convinced that it is possible for souls that can scarce give a man an answer but with great confusion as to method. I say, it is possible for them to have a thousand times more grace and so to be more in love and favor of the Lord than some who by the virtue of the gift of knowledge can deliver themselves like angels. Thus, therefore, I came to perceive that though gifts in themselves were good to the thing for which they are designed, to wit, the edification of others, yet they are empty and without power to save the soul of him that hath them, if they be alone. Neither are they as so any sign of a man's state to be happy, being only a dispensation of God to some, of whose improvement or non-improvement they must, when a little more time is over, give an account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. This showed me, too, that gifts being alone were dangerous, not in themselves, but because of those evils that attend them that have them, to wit, pride, desire of vainglory, self-conceit, etc., all which were easily blown up at the applause and condemnation of every unadvised Christian to the endangering of a poor creature to fall into the condemnation of the devil. I saw, therefore, that he that hath gifts had need to be led into a sight of the nature of them, to wit, that they come short of making him to be in a truly saved condition, lest he rest in them and so falls short of the grace of God. He hath cause also to walk humbly with God, and be little in his own eyes, and to remember with all that his gifts are not his own, but the church's, and that by them he is made a servant to the church, and he must give at least an account of his stewardship unto the Lord Jesus and to give a good account will be a blessed thing. Let all men therefore prize a little with the fear of the Lord. Gifts indeed are desirable, but yet great grace and small gifts are better than great gifts and no grace. 
it doth not say the Lord gives gifts and glory but the Lord gives grace and glory and blessed is such a one to whom the Lord gives grace true grace for that is a certain forerunner of glory but when Satan perceived that his thus tempting and assaulting me would not answer his design to wit to overthrow the ministry and make it ineffectual as to the ends thereof then he tried another way which was to stir up the minds of the ignorant and malicious to load me with slanders and reproaches now therefore I may say that what the devil could devise and his instruments invent was whirled up and down the country against me thinking as I said that by that means they should make my ministry to be abandoned it began therefore to be rumored up and down among the people that I was a witch a Jesuit a highwayman and the like to all which I shall only say God knows that I am innocent but as for mine accusers let them provide themselves to meet me before the tribunal of the Son of God there to answer for all these things with all the rest of their inequities unless God shall give them repentance for them for the which I pray with all my heart but that which was reported with the boldest confidence was that I was addicted to gross immoralities and the like now these slanders with the others I glory in because but slanders foolish or knavish lies and falsehoods cast upon me by the devil and his seed and should I not be dealt with thus wickedly by the world I should want one sign of a saint and a child of God blessed are ye said the Lord Jesus when men shall revile you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you Matthew chapter 5 verses 11 and 12 these things therefore upon mine own account trouble me not no though they were twenty times more than they are I have a good conscience and whereas they speak evil of me as an evildoer they shall be ashamed that falsely accuse my good conversation in Christ so then what shall I say to those who have thus bespattered me shall I threaten them shall I chide them shall I flatter them shall I entreat them to hold their tongues no not I were it not that these things make them who are the authors and the betters right for damnation I would say unto them report it because it will increase my glory 
Therefore I bind these lies and slanders to me as an ornament. It belongs to my Christian profession to be vilified, slandered, reproached, and reviled. And since all this is nothing else, as my God and my conscience do bear me witness, I rejoice in reproaches for Christ's sake. I also call upon all those fools and knaves that have thus made it anything of their business to affirm any of these things aforenamed of me, namely, that I have been of unchaste life, or the like, when they have used the utmost of their endeavors and made the fullest inquiry that they can to prove against me truly that there is anyone in heaven or earth or hell that can say I have at any time, in any place, by day or night, so much as attempted any unbecoming familiarity. And speak I thus to beg mine enemies into a good esteem of me? No, not I. I will not this beg believe of no man. Believe or disbelieve me in all this. All is a similar case to me. My foes have missed their mark in this their shooting at me. I am not the man. I wish that they themselves be guiltless. If all the fornicators and adulterers in England were hanged up by the neck till they be dead, John Bunyan, an object of their envy, would still be alive and well. I know not whether there be such a thing as a woman breathing under the cope of the heaven, but by their apparel, their children, or by common fame, except my wife. And in this I admire the wisdom of God, that he made me in this respect circumspect from my first conversion until now. They know and can also bear me witness with whom I have been most intimately concerned that it is a rare thing to see me to behave familiarly towards females. The common salutation I abhor. It is odious to me and whomsoever I see it. Their company alone I cannot approve. For I think these things are not so becoming me. When I have seen good men salute those women that they have visited, or that have visited them, I have at times made my objection against it. And when they have answered that it was but a piece of civility, I have told them it was not a commonly sight. Some indeed have urged the holy kiss. But then I have asked why they have made such exceptions, why they did salute the most handsome and let the ill-favored go. Thus, how laudable soever such things have been in the eyes of others, they have been unseemly in my sight. And now for a wind-up in this matter, I call not only on men, but angels to prove me guilty of having broken the marriage covenant, 
nor am I afraid to do it a second time, knowing that I cannot offend the Lord in such a case to call God for a record upon my soul, that in these things I am innocent. Not that I have been thus kept because of any goodness in me more than any other, but God has been merciful to me and has kept me to whom I pray that he will keep me still, not only from this, but every evil way and work, and preserve me into his heavenly kingdom. Amen. Now, as Satan labored by reproaches and slanders to make me vile among countrymen, that if possible my preaching might be made of none effect, so there was added here to a long and tedious imprisonment, that thereby I might be frightened from my service for Christ, and the world terrified and made afraid to hear me preach, of which I shall in the next place give you a brief account. Chapter 11 Having made profession of the glorious gospel of Christ a long time and preached the same about five years, I was apprehended at a meeting of good people in the country among whom, had they let me alone, I should have preached that day, but they took me away from among them and had me before a justice who, after I had offered security for my appearing the next sessions, yet committed me because my sureties would not consent to be bound that I should preach no more to the people. After the sessions, I was indicted for an upholder and maintainer of unlawful assemblies and conventicles and for not conforming to the national worship of the Church of England. And after some conference there with the justices, they, taking my plain dealing with them for a confession, as they termed it, of the indictment, did sentence me to perpetual banishment because I refused to conform. So being delivered up to the jailer's hand, I was had home to prison, and there have lain now complete for twelve years, waiting to see what God would suffer those men to do with me, in which condition I have continued with much content through grace, but have met with many turnings and going upon my heart, both from the Lord Satan and my own corruption by all which glory be to Jesus Christ I have also received among many things much conviction instruction and understanding of which at large I shall not hear discourse only give you a hint or two a word that may stir up the godly to bless God and to pray for me. 
and also to take encouragement, should the case be their own, not to fear what man can do unto them. I never had in all my life so great an inlet into the word of God as now. Those scriptures that I saw nothing in before were made in this place and state to shine upon me. Jesus Christ also was never more real and apparent than now. Here I have seen and felt him indeed. Oh, that word. We have not preached unto you cunningly devised fables and that God raised Christ up from the dead and gave him glory that our faith and hope might be in God were blessed words unto me in this imprisoned condition 2 Peter 1 16 1 Peter 1 21 these three or four scriptures also have been great refreshments in this condition to me John 14 1 through 4 16.33 Colossians 3.3-4 3 through 4, Hebrews 12.22-24 So that sometimes when I have enjoyed the Savior of them I have been able to laugh at destruction and to fear neither the horse nor his rider. I have had sweet sights of the forgiveness of my sins in this place and of my being with Jesus in another world. Oh, the Mount Zion, heavenly Jerusalem, the innumerable company of angels and God, the judge of all, and the spirits of just men made perfect and Jesus have been sweet unto me in this place. I have seen that here which I am persuaded I shall never while in this world be able to express. I have seen a truth in the scripture. Whom having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. 1 Peter 1.8 I never knew what it was for God to stand by me at all times and at every offer of Satan to afflict me as I have found him since I came in hither. For lo, as fears have presented themselves, so have supports and encouragement, yea, when I have started even as it were at nothing else but my shadow. Yet God, as being very tender of me, hath not suffered me to be molested, but would with one scripture or another strengthen me against all, insomuch that I have often said, were it lawful I could pray for greater trouble for the greater comfort's sake. Ecclesiastes 7.14 2 Corinthians 1.5 before I came to prison I saw what was coming and had especially two considerations warm upon my heart.
The first was how to be able to encounter death. Should that be here my portion? And for this that scripture was greatly information to me, namely to pray to God to be strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Colossians 1.11 I could seldom go to prayer before I was imprisoned for though for a year together but this sentence or sweet petition would as it were thrust itself into my mind and persuade me that if ever I would go through long suffering I must have patience especially if I would endure it joyfully as to the second consideration that saying was of great use to me but we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God that raises the dead 2 Corinthians 1 9 by this scripture I was made to see that if ever I would suffer rightly I must first pass a sentence of death upon everything that can be properly called a thing of this life even to reckon myself my wife my children my health my enjoyment and all as dead to me and myself as dead to them the second was to live upon God that is invisible as Paul said in another place the way not to faint is to look not at the things which are seen but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal and thus I reason with myself if I provide only for a prison then the whip comes at unawares and so death also the pillory This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D, M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. 
and remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important. When he says that God had commanded no such thing, and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.